Chapters thirty two to thirty seven of Tristram Shandy, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman volume four last volume by laurence stern chapter thirty two my uncle toby and the corporal had posted down with so much heat and precipitation to take possession of the spot of ground we have so often spoke of in order to open their campaign as early as the rest of the allies that they had forgot one of the most necessary articles of the whole affair it was neither a pioneer's spade a pickaxe or a shovel it was a bed to lie on so that as shandy hall was at that time unfurnished and the little inn where poor lefevre died not yet built my uncle toby was constrained to accept of a bed at mistress wadman's for a night or two till corporal trim who to the character of an excellent valet groom cook sempster surgeon and engineer superadded that of an excellent upholsterer too with the help of a carpenter and a couple of tailors constructed one in my uncle toby's house a daughter of eve for such was widow wadman and is all the character i intend to give of her that she was a perfect woman had better be fifty leagues off or in her warm bed or playing with a case-knife or anything you please than make a man the object of her attention when the house and all the furniture is her own there is nothing in it out of doors and in broad daylight where a woman has a power physically speaking of viewing a man in more lights than one but here for her soul she can see him in no light without mixing something of her own goods and chattels along with him till by reiterated acts of such combination he gets foisted into her inventory and then good-night but this is not matter of system for i have delivered that above nor is it matter of breviary for i make no man's creed but my own nor matter of fact at least that i know of but tis matter copulative and introductory to what follows chapter thirty three i do not speak it with regard to the coarseness or cleanness of them or the strength of their gussets but pray do not night-shifts differ from day-shifts as much in this particular as in anything else in the world 
that they so far exceed the others in length that when you are laid down in them they fall almost as much below the feet as the day shifts fall short of them widow wadman's night shifts as was the mode i suppose in king william's and queen anne's reigns were cut however after this fashion and if the fashion is changed for in italy they are come to nothing so much the worse for the public they were two flemish l's and a half in length so that allowing a moderate woman two l's she had half an l to spare to do what she would with now from one little indulgence gained after another in the many bleak and dissembly nights of a seven years widowhood things had insensibly come to this pass and for the last two years had got established into one of the ordinances of the bedchamber that as soon as mistress wadman was put to bed and had got her legs stretched down to the bottom of it of which she always gave bridget notice bridget with all suitable decorum having first opened the bedclothes at the feet took hold of the half ell of cloth we are speaking of and having gently and with both her hands drawn it downwards to its furthest extension and then contracted it again sidelong by four or five even plaits she took a large corking-pin out of her sleeve and with the point directed towards her pinned the plaits all fast together a little above the hem which done she tucked all in tight at the feet and wished her mistress a good night this was constant and without any other variation than this that on shivering and tempestuous nights when bridget untucked the feet of the bed etc to do this she consulted no thermometer but that of her own passions and so performed it standing kneeling or squatting according to the different degrees of faith hope and charity she was in and bore towards her mistress that night in every other respect the etiquette was sacred and might have vied with the most mechanical one of the most inflexible bedchamber in christendom the first night as soon as the corporal had conducted my uncle toby upstairs which was about ten mistress wadman threw herself into her armchair and crossing her left knee with her right which formed a resting-place for her elbow she reclined her cheek upon the palm of her hand and leaning forwards ruminated till midnight upon both sides of the question the second night she went to her bureau and having ordered bridget to bring her up a couple of fresh candles and leave them upon the table she took out her marriage settlement and read it over with great devotion and the third night 
which was the last of my uncle toby's stay when bridget had pulled down the night-shift and was assaying to stick in the corking-pin with a kick of both heels at once but at the same time the most natural kick that could be kicked in her situation for supposing to be the sun in its meridian it was a northeast kick she kicked the pin out of her fingers the etiquette which hung upon it down down it fell to the ground and was shivered into a thousand atoms from all which it was plain that widow wadman was in love with my uncle toby chapter thirty four my uncle toby's head at that time was full of other matters so that it was not till the demolition of dunkirk when all the other civilities of europe were settled that he found leisure to return this this made an armistice that is speaking with regard to my uncle toby but with respect to mistress wadman a vacancy of almost eleven years but in all cases of this nature as it is the second blow happen at what distance of time it will which makes the fray i choose for that reason to call these the amours of my uncle toby with mistress wadman rather than the amours of mistress wadman with my uncle toby this is not a distinction without a difference it is not like the affair of an old hat cocked and a cocked old hat about which your reverences have so often been at odds with one another but there is a difference here in the nature of things and let me tell you gentry a wide one too chapter thirty five now as widow wadman did love my uncle toby and my uncle toby did not love widow wadman there was nothing for widow wadman to do but to go on and love my uncle toby or let it alone widow wadman would do neither the one or the other gracious heaven but i forget i am a little of her temper myself for whenever it so falls out which it sometimes does about the equinoxes that an earthly goddess is so much this and that and t'other that i cannot eat my breakfast for her and that she careth not three halfpence whether i eat my breakfast or no curse on her and so i send her to tartary and from tartary to terra del fuogo and so on to the devil in short there is not an infernal niche where i do not take her divinity-ship and stick it but as the heart is tender and the passions in these tides ebb and flow ten times in a minute 
i instantly bring her back again and as i do all things in extremes i place her in the very centre of the milky way brightest of stars thou wilt shed thy influence upon some one the deuce take her and her influence too for at that word i lose all patience much good may it do him by all that is her suit and gashly i cry taking off my furred cap and twisting it round my finger i would not give sixpence for a dozen such but tis an excellent cap too putting it upon my head and pressing it close to my ears and warm and soft especially if you stroke it the right way but alas that will never be my luck so here my philosophy is shipwrecked again no i shall never have a finger in the pie so here i break my metaphor crust and crumb inside and out top and bottom i detest it i hate it i repudiate it i'm sick at the sight of it tis all pepper garlic starragon salt and devil's dung by the great arch cook of cooks who does nothing i think from morning to night but sit down by the fireside and invent inflammatory dishes for us i would not touch it for the world oh tristram tristram cried jenny oh jenny jenny replied i and so went on with the thirty-sixth chapter chapter thirty-six not touch it for the world did i say lord how i have heated my imagination with this metaphor <laughs> chapter thirty seven which shows let your reverences and worships say what you will of it for as for thinking all who do think think pretty much alike both upon it and other matters love is certainly at least alphabetically speaking one of the most agitating bewitching confounded devilish affairs of life the most extravagant futilitous galligaskinish handy dandyish irrecundulous there is no k to it and lyrical of all human passions at the same time the most misgiving ninny-hammering obstipating pragmatical stridulous ridiculous though by the by the r should have gone first 
that in short tis of such a nature as my father once told my uncle toby upon the close of a long dissertation upon the subject you can scarce said he combine two ideas together upon it brother toby without an hypalogy what's that cried my uncle toby the cart before the horse replied my father and what is he to do there cried my uncle toby nothing quoth my father but to get in or let it alone now widow wadman as i told you before would do neither the one or the other she stood however ready harnessed and caparisoned at all points to watch accidents end of chapter thirty seven recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey